What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee. So naturally, this is the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 78. Thank you so much for rocking with me for another hour or so. And man, what a week. What a start to the NBA season. So many amazing games. So many crazy storylines in just one week. It makes no sense, but it's why I think this league is the best league in the world. And to join me to break down NBA and NFL topics is my cousin Sadiq Abdul. Bill Simmons has cousin Sal. I have cousin Deke. He's going to join me. And when he's on the show, y'all know he plays the game. He gets to decide whether I'm crazy or not with all the sports takes that I have. All that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. As I get older, you know, I have a little girl, I have a daughter. And, you know, just as life matures you, I feel like I'm getting softer in my older age. You know what I mean? I'm talking about when I was young, sympathy did not come around very often. Y'all know one of my favorite quotes, said it before, comes from Major Payne, the classic American, you know, masterpiece, cinematic masterpiece, Major Payne, where Major Payne says, if you're looking for sympathy, look in the dictionary between bleep and syphilis. You understand what I'm saying? And that man, I used to go by that, Joe. Like, it was hard getting sympathy or empathy from me. But now, man, I start to feel for so many of these guys, man. So many just people, not just athletes or entertainers. But one person in particular that I'm talking about, I feel for, is Markel Fultz. And I'm not even a Sixers fan. But, you know, he went to DeMatha. I didn't go to DeMatha. So, you know, just because he's local. I'm not from D.C. So just because he's around the way or he's from, you know, the area doesn't necessarily mean much to me. I feel for him on so many different levels because the pressure that this kid has got to be under is amazing. Tremendous. Like, he was a top prospect coming out of high school. It's not like this dude is a project. He was a monster in the math. And then he went to Washington, was a monster for why. He was the number one overall pick, and it wasn't like it came out of anywhere. It came out of nowhere. He balled his one year in college, and I I can hear y'all say it already. Washington didn't even go to the NCAA tournament, so how could he? How great of a year could he have? Don't forget the person drafted a year before him was Ben Simmons, and LSU didn't go to the NCAA tournament. And we'll get to Ben Simmons in a, in a little while later in the show. But Markel Fultz was a monster at Washington. He was. I know this because two of my coworkers at the time who were, like, super cool, they loved Markel Fultz. They swore up and down about Markel Fultz. And if you know me, if you listen to the show, you know this. I'm a huge Bill Walton fan. And Bill Walton on Wednesdays or Thursday nights always calls Pac-12 games. So I would stay up. And when Bill Walton called a Washington game, I watched. And Markel was a killer. He was the number one overall pick for a reason. But I don't know what has happened. His shot all of a sudden was broken. His shoulder had, there was issues. There was this mystery around the shot. We all know about the general manager, the Colangelo situation in Philadelphia and all types of stuff. The head coach seemingly took cryptic shots at him during his rookie year. And now... It's to the point where he'll have 13 points and we 
swear up and down, this is a coming out party for him. 13 points for a number one overall pick who was drafted because he could score. Markel Fultz plays against the Pistons without Ben Simmons. He gets, you know, 13, 14 points. And we look at that as like, this is a huge step. Markel Fultz will hit a 15-foot jump shot in Philadelphia, and the crowd will give him a standing ovation. You know, and maybe he, he takes that as like, you know, he it, it motivates him and it makes him feel good, but he's an elite athlete. He was the number one overall pick. He was a top recruit. I got to feel that that's, he takes that in some ways as con- like them like condescending. I would imagine that's in there in him somewhere, right? He knows he can make 15-foot jump shots. That's not anything special. That's not anything to celebrate to that degree. That's got to hurt his pride. You know, he's a 19, 20-year-old kid. But how do you explain it? And you know what? Forget that because we're past that point now. We are now living it. And I feel for him because, look, man, Philadelphia has some of the greatest fans in the world, sports fans in the country. And the Sixers fans have been more than supportive of Markel Fultz. They have. They gave him, you know, all last year it was tough. And, you know, Philly fans, they get a lot of slack. They catch a lot of heat, man. But I think they are amazing fans. Because if you love, like, if you give them the effort, they'll love you forever. They're like dogs in that regard. You feed them, they're coming back every day. They're going to be with you every day. Ride with you. But they expect a certain type of performance, especially coming from a number one overall pick. Iverson... Despite the flaws, we all know the flaws AI had. (laughs) You know, they love that man like none other. None other. Just go down the line of Philadelphia athletes. They're not always necessarily the greatest guys. They're not always necessarily the the best athletes. The best, definitely not the winners, not, not the guys who win the most. But they love them. Love them. Randall Cunningham is a king. You know, I don't know any of the flyers, so I can't really break that down. Donovan threw up in the Super Bowl, so, you know, we're going to forget that. But, you know, the list goes on of, of players who have who, who bled for that team, those teams, and gave them everything. They love them. They love them. And right now, they're in the honeymoon phase when it comes to Markel Fultz. Because they know he's gone through a lot and they're supporting him. But the kid gloves come off soon. The kid gloves come off soon when it comes to Mark Hill. They're not going to always cheer him when he hits a 15-foot jump shot. And you want to know what's going to speed up that process? This is what people cannot forget and Philly fans will never forget or forgive. Not only did they draft Mark Hill Fultz, they traded a pick to draft Mark Hill Fultz number one. You move up in the draft to draft number one, you better get the best player available. And yeah, at the time, many people thought Markel was going to be a nice fit. I was curious because they already had Ben Simmons. And like I said, Ben Simmons is the real deal. I'm already sold on Ben. But they could have had Jason Tatum. They could have had Jason Tatum. Imagine the Philadelphia 76ers right now 
with the except what you don't have Markel Fultz, but you got Tatum. Tatum fits Embiid and Simmons to a T. To a T. Ben doesn't want to shoot. Joel probably shoots a bit too much sometimes. It gets a little bit reckless when you give him the ball to create. Tatum is the perfect blend between both those guys. And he, again, I'm going to talk about Ben and Jason later in the show, talking about special players, right? And how in, in the NFL is all about being elite. Where in the NBA, everybody thinks they're great or special, but they're not that many special players. And we are looking at two young killers coming. And I've seen enough. Shout out to Common. Don't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. It don't take long for me to see those two guys amongst their peers. They play in a different game. Philly could have had both of them with Joel Embiid. We're talking about championship contenders for over a decade. Talk about what the Thunder should have been. That's what Philadelphia passed up to draft Markel Fultz. That's a lot of pressure. And the fact that Tatum is in, not only in the conference, he's in the division. Philly fans will have to see Jason Tatum for a generation. That's a lot of pressure. I feel for Markel Fultz, man. And I hope he's built. I hope he's cut out for it, man. Because like I said, Philly, they love hard. They love hard. I don't know how many of y'all had a girlfriend or a partner, significant other, whatever the case may be, who's just a hard lover. And when it's right, oh my gosh, man. You come home, you get a back rub, food is ready. You understand? They, they support you. They give you all the motivation. I'm talking about everything. The loving is good, everything. Couldn't ask for more. But man, when it's when it's going hard, slim. Get the Teflon. Because you don't know where it's coming from, right? When people love hard, the highs are very high. Highs can't get higher. You feel me? But the lows, oh, Slim, you in Fallujah. Watch your step landmines everywhere. You don't know what to say, right? You walking on eggshells because you don't know what's going to set everything off. That's what Philly fans are, man. They love you. They love you to the end, and it's going to be amazing. But you better not, you better not betray their trust. You better not cheat them on effort. You better not lay an egg in a big moment. You better not double cross them. Because you're going to feel that wrath. And I don't know if Markel Fultz is built for it. Because no fault of his own. No fault of his own. It's not his fault that Jason Tatum is a monster. It's not his fault that Boston drafted Tatum. And that the Lakers passed on him. It's not None of that is his fault. But he's going to have to deal with the ramifications. And I don't know if he's cut out for it. We will find out. We will absolutely find out because they're giving him opportunity after opportunity. But, you know, the kid gloves come off soon. I don't know when they get taken off, but it's coming. And for his sake and for the sake of all the people who love and support and are a fan of him, man, I hope he steps up to the plate and knocks it out the park. Because if not, oh, them dogs are coming. They coming, they training, man. They running up the rocky steps. They running with the motorcycles like Creed. You feel me? They coming for you, bro. I hope you're ready. 
that was the first quarter. We're going to get back to the NBA shortly. Again, my cousin Sadiq will be joining me. We're going to play the game where he gets to answer. If I'm crazy or not with some of my takes, there are going to be a lot of NBA takes, as you would assume. But we're going to step off the hardwood for just a second and step in the squared circle for our second topic this week. Second quarter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, what's up? Shut up, man. Come on, how you not like this song, baby? How you not? How you not feeling it right now in your soul right now? You know, when you hear Trick Daddy on the Quarterly Report, obviously you heard him already. It means we're gonna tell somebody to shut up. Somebody from time to time, I always gotta step out there and run their mouth to the point where you're just like, bro, I don't want to hear anything you have to say anymore. Shut up. You know, shut up, stop talking, shut your mouth. And, you know, this is maybe the second or third time we've had this segment, but there was really no other way for me to portray how frustrated and how done I am with this next person. You know, we got a lot of segments here on the quarterly report, so I had a, I had a few to choose from, but really, the only thing I have to say to Floyd Mayweather now is just shut up, bro. Shut up. We done I get it, man. You like money and people love to spend money to see you perform. I can't even say fight anymore. The last fight of Floyd Mayweather's that I saw, no lie, whether live or even the replay, no bull when I say this, was the second Chino fight. I saw him fight Marcos Maidana both times, right? Saw each of those fights and I was like, okay, boom, you know, straight up. Floyd at that time was still Floyd. You could see he was slowing down. And he had even mentioned it. He was like, bro, the end is near. I remember he wrote a letter to like his whole team at that time, around that time. He was like, yo, y'all got to get ready, start preparing, start saving, understand what's happening because I'm not going to be fighting much longer. That's what he said. This is like five, six years ago now. I didn't watch the Manny Pacquiao fight. I remember vividly watching Game 7 Spurs Clippers because – I knew what was going to happen, and I knew who was going to win, and I knew how that fight was going to go down. There's no, that just didn't entice me. And all y'all Bama's watched it, that's cool, whatever. And it was a boring-ass fight, and the, and the outcome was already clear. And the Bama man, he talking about he had dislocated shoulder. Man, he was running his mouth like he was going to lay him down. Nobody trying to hear that mess anymore, bro. Then Floyd fights Andre Berto. That, that was supposedly the last fight before he retired. Andre Berto is how he's going down. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know what? You fight on CBS. You got your partnership with Al Heyman. Boom. Y'all got the network deal. I thought maybe, you know what? I'll check it out if it's going to be on over-the-air television. I'll check it out. Absolutely. It's Floyd, right? Boom. Nope. He charged Bama's pay-per-view money to see him beat up on Andre Berto. Hell no, I didn't watch that. And then last year, he he got y'all again. Fighting Conor McGregor, of all people. Conor McGregor in a boxing match. Bama still to this day asked me, hey, man, did you watch Conor Boom Boom Boom? I was like, bro, I saw it the first time when it was called Great White Hype. Shout out to James Roper and Terry Conklin. I saw it then, 1996 or something, 97. I ain't spending any money. To watch him beat up on Conor McGregor or watch the replay. The man went to bet on himself 
when he would end the fight in which round. Like, come on, Slim. You can tell a hustle from a mile away sometimes. And that was one of those times. Floyd is clearly somebody who just cannot stay away from the limelight because now the hustle is coming back. He's running back. He's talking about fighting Khabib. I'm not, I don't know the, the man's name in UFC. I'm not even going to try to say it because I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But the Khabib, the man who beat Conor McGregor not too long ago, he's talking about fighting him. Nobody going to try to see that because let's be honest, Floyd works in terms of generating interest via a specific equation, okay? Floyd becomes the antagonist, the the, the braggadocious, the frustrating, polarizing, you know, stereotypical black athlete. You pit him up against anybody who is not a black athlete, and that generates a lot of interest and a lot of, pay-per-view buys, okay? In this climate, that doesn't work with someone like Khabib. It just doesn't. It worked to a T with Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor got in the dirt and started doing the certain things that Floyd does, but from a different perspective. In the climate in today's society, they just went all out. And look, you know, <laughs> they reap the benefits from a financial standpoint. We could talk about morality if you want. Actually, no, I'm not going to talk about it on this show. But hit me up on Twitter if you would like to have a back and forth on it. Or you can email me at quarterly show. Or I'm sorry, quarterly report at gmail.com. If you would like to have a, uh, a, a discussion or a back and forth about it. But it paid off because everybody and their mother were talking about the fight, even though they knew it was a hustle. Some of the Alabamas actually started to, to tell yourself that Connor had a chance to win. Great white hype. Again, I saw it already. I saw it was when I was in high school. I knew the outcome. But that's that was how it played out. That's the formula for Floyd. To put Khabib against him, it doesn't work out. But Floyd just can't stop talking. He's talking about fighting Conor McGregor again. He's called, talking about fighting Khabib again. And now, now we've got Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao fighting potentially on pay-per-view at the end of the year. And it's clear. Again, you can see the hustle a mile away. You know what time it is. He's setting that up to fight one of them afterwards. And I can feel it coming already. I can hear it coming already because <sighs> I love doing this podcast. And you know what? Shout out to you, H and all, each and every one of you all who do listen. And I love hearing from you all emails in the tweets sometime you know the other day or other week I ran into somebody who i didn't know but listens to the pod saw the cover i guess he matched my face so yo you arm off in the quarterly reports boom 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 i was like yeah and we chopped it up man he was like bro i really love the podcast because you talk about boxing i'm a huge boxing fan and in this area just period not even just in the area nationally there just aren't very many outlets to get real boxing topics i'm not faking like i'm max kellerman or i'm chris mannix those are two guys who do have a, a very large platform and they do get to talk about boxing uh mannix more so because he has the his podcast and his shows max has first take but they don't really talk boxing like that unless it's one of these quote-unquote huge fights 
But, you know, there is such a, a, a vacancy when it comes to talking about boxing. There's there's a large interest in the sport, but not really many places you can go to be fed that type of discussion. But whenever Floyd's name is mentioned, the same usual suspects jump out and they start talking about him and nauseam. And, bro, I'm just done. If Floyd, look, if Floyd wants this limelight, bro, you got monsters in the welterweight division. Fight them. There's so many people that you could fight. Even the guys who aren't in the welterweight division. He he running his mouth at Canelo after Canelo signed a huge deal with Dazen. Stop talking. If you got a problem with him, square up. Y'all fought already? Run it back. No. We know Floyd's not doing that. Canelo will punish Floyd now. We all know it. There's so many guys you could fight at 147 other than Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao. Fight Spence. Nope. He ain't doing it, and we all know why. Fight Bud. Fight Terrence Crawford. Nope. And we all know why. Hell, man, fight Keith Thurman. You could beat him if Keith even wants to come back anymore. But he's not going to do that, and I don't blame him. Now, I, I don't blame him for fighting Keith. I, hell, I don't blame him for fighting any of them. I know why he's not going to fight Bud. I know why he's not going to fight Arrow. And we all, and I know why he's not going to fight Canelo. Because they'll beat his ass now. And that's cool, bro. Make your money. But damn, bro. I'm just like, people who just can't stay, who can't stand not being in the spotlight. I cannot stand them. He's seeing everybody else get shiny. He can't take it. Could be beats Conor McGregor's ass and all of a sudden, bro. Fight me. Conor McGregor getting money, coming back. Had, what, over 2 million pay-per-view buys. Starts running his mouth again. Canelo signs one of the largest contracts ever in sports. He can't He can't stand it. And now he's going to come back in 2019 to fight Adrian Broner or Manny Pacquiao? Slim, shut up. Step aside. I had no problem with Floyd. I had no problem with Floyd from a boxing standpoint. We, we can talk about the outside the ring stuff and him as a person. Cool. There are plenty of issues. Take a number, right? But from a fighter standpoint and from a businessman standpoint, I had no problem. People hated Floyd the way he fought. It felt like he chose his opponents. Everybody, everybody does that to some degree. But at the end of the day, outside of Paul Williams, who hasn't Floyd fought? Right, you can't get mad at him that he wasn't in welterweight when all these other guys were in their prime. You can't get mad at him for fighting, you know, Shane Mosley late. He wasn't in his class. You know what I'm saying? He was a small fighter moving up. You can't get mad at him that he took, he fought that he took that fight. You can't. I mean, you could, you could, you could have issues with, you know, Cotto. They probably should have fought earlier, right? But. Obviously, there were some financial situations. Him and Aram don't get along. They don't rock that well. He and Manny should have been fought, but you can take issue on both sides. There are plenty of, there's plenty of space. There's plenty of blame to go around why that fight didn't happen. But I don't hold any of that against Floyd. He fought everybody that he should have fought with the exception of maybe one or two guys. But now, bro, understand that you don't have to shine anymore. And yeah, you'll get the shine from SportsCenter 
and Stephen A. Smith and Undisputed and all these shows that really don't talk much about boxing, that really don't know much about boxing. But for the fans, for real, the people who really, really know the sport, the people who love the sport, the people who love when I talk about it, we know what time it is, Slim. Like, you ain't faking, you ain't faking anybody for real. Make your money, bro. As far as I'm concerned, you WWF now. You know what I mean? You, you, you the bearded lady. You the sideshow. You the circus. Because if you really wanted it, if you really wanted it, there are fights to be made, bro. But you went the Andre Berto route. And now you're going the Conor McGregor route and the Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner route? Come on, man. So I know what time it is. I know what time it is. I get it. And look, be forewarned. It's coming. The Floyd Circus is coming around again. You can see it coming. Again, the hustle, you can see it a mile away. But for me and boxing heads that I know and I respect and that I talk to, bro, sit down and shut up <laughs> for real. All right, y'all. Y'all heard the horn. I had to get that off my chest because I love boxing so much. Y'all know I do. I talk about it as much as I can. And I try to put, present it to the, in a way where if you're not a boxing fan, you can understand it, right? And there's in, there's so many interesting angles and so many interesting fighters and exciting fighters to really to take a bite into in, with the sport. But it's always circles back to like Floyd and like Pacquiao. And these guys aren't, they not what they not what they once were. But they can't, maybe, look, we know Manny doesn't have any money. Maybe Floyd's money isn't as long as he would like us to think. So, you know, he knows he can always make this cash grab, but this got to stop at some point. You know what I mean? At some point. And hopefully it stops now. But for me, Trick Daddy said it best. Just shut up, bro, because we're not listening anymore. But that's enough about Floyd. Once again, guys, you are listening to the Quarterly Report Podcast. I am your host, Armand Lee. Before we move on, make sure you follow me on Twitter. We're at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Make sure you email us as well at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, Quarterly Report, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report at gmail.com. And we haven't done this in a while, but I'm bringing back Stoppage Time. Stoppage Time is a little game we play. Not game. But a segment that we have from time to time where you, the fans, get to interact with me and ask me a question uh, about sports, music, entertainment, or whatever. Or you get to debate me with something that I may have said previously, whatever. It's all fun. It's all on the table. It's stoppage time. And this week, we have an email from Darnell. Darnell is from Waldorf, Maryland. So shout out to Waldorf. Uh, I like to call it New Hampshire because that is long as hell to get there from any normal place of civilization. But, you know, no disrespect to Waldo. Shout out to y'all, whatever. Darnell says, what are my thoughts about Luke Cage being canceled on Netflix? And first off, Darnell, thank you for the email. This was like a big thing last weekend, man. People were really up in arms about Luke Cage and Netflix canceling the show after two seasons. And like, I had no problem with it. <laughs> I had no problem with it at all. Bro, the, the idea of Luke Cage, I get I understand the connection to the idea. Luke Cage and like applying Luke Cage, the application of Luke Cage just didn't work, man. It just didn't work for me at all. I remember watching the first season and I remember people just so geeked up about Luke Cage, Luke Cage, and I'm like, all right, bet. 
And you know, Cottonmouth, Mahershala Ali, that joint was dope. And Mariah, the dynamic there, that was cool. And then they killed one of the most, the hot, one of the hottest big time actors, up and coming actors, midway through the season. And once they did that, the show fell apart. You know? And I'm just like, why on earth? When you have, I've talked about this in the past, when you have superhero movies or like good versus bad heroic star wars type movies you need an amazing villain your project is only as good as your villain and you killing off your best villain midway through the first season it was doomed the first season fell flat the moment that happened and the second season eh, you know what i'm saying so yeah Old Yeller, take it to the back, put it out as misery. Plus, he was a, he just, I don't know, he seemed like he was a bomber for real. You know what I'm saying? It was just weird. His old vibe was just off. So, yeah, man, like, again, the idea of Luke Cage, I understand. I get why people are, were fans of the idea of Luke Cage. And there were certain characters, certain, certain parts of the show that were cool. You know what I mean? That was cool. I'm going to miss seeing, you know, Rosario Dawson. I love her. You know, Misty, Misty Knight, she was dope. The whole nine. But the show, nah, the show needed to, the show needed to be, to end. So, yeah, there ain't no tears coming my way for Luke Cage's uh, early demise. Because, really, they dropped the ball on that job. But Darnell, I appreciate the question. Uh, thank you for listening and any all any and all of you listeners if you have an idea or a topic that you want to hear my opinion on if you want to disagree with me on anything make sure you get at me tweet at the show quarterly show on twitter or you can email us at quarterly report at gmail.com and remember this upcoming monday a new episode of the wire nba comparisons man is one of the best thing one of the things that i enjoy doing the most I'm comparing NBA superstars to our favorite characters from, in my opinion, the greatest show of all time, The Wire. Every other Monday throughout the NBA season, I'm going to pick another player and another character and compare them. So this upcoming Monday, make sure y'all be on the lookout on Twitter and at my IG at Quarterly Report on Instagram, Wire NBA Comparison. In this upcoming episode, I will be comparing an NBA player to the one and only Clay Davis. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. All right, guys, enough of the house cleaning topics. It's time for halftime this week. And one of the biggest things that happened during the past week, in the first week of the NBA season, was, of course, the fight between Chris Paul and Ryzen Rondo. You want to call it Spitgate. These guys have been having an issue for over a decade, and they were throwing hands. We can make fun of the punches that Rondo was throwing, or, you know what, and Chris Paul, but they both landed. And CP3 busted up Rajon Rondo's nose. But again, this was the culmination of many, many years of these two going back and forth. So anytime there's a problem that comes to a head, we have to look back and see how it got to this point. It's a segment that we do from time to time here on the Quarterly Report. A segment when we find out when Rajon Rondo ran out of fucks to give. Hello, Rajon Rondo. This is your central nervous system. Congratulations with the new job in Los Angeles with the Lakers. You now have two million to give. Have an amazing season. Some breaking NBA news. 
just when you thought the Lakers couldn't do more this offseason, they've now signed Lance Stevenson. Yeah, former Pacer blowing in LeBron's ear Lance Stevenson to a one-year contract. Lance Stevenson? Hmm. You now have 1.5 million f**ks to give. The head-scratching signings continue in La La Land as Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers have now signed former Golden State Warrior and NBA champion, mind you, JaVale McGee to a one-year contract. You now have 1 million f**ks to give. Someone may want to check on Magic Johnson because the Lakers have now signed Michael Beasley. I kid you not. In the span of a matter of days, the Lakers have signed Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, and Michael Beasley. Get your popcorn ready. What the hell is Magic and LeBron doing? Anyway, be careful. You now have 750,000 left. You guys need to win desperately, Rondo. You now have 250,000. Hold on. Your next opponent is Chris Paul and the Rockets. Oh, hell. Red alert. You have zero f**ks left. So we all notice when someone is fed up, right? We all see the explosion, but what we don't notice is how long some of these lingering issues are bubbling under the surface. By no means am I condoning spitting on a man. No, 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 no. In fact, Chris Paul should have busted Rondo's ass for real. However, this isn't something that just happened last Saturday, right? This has been brewing for quite a while, and clearly, Rondo had been sitting on this for a minute. He want, he been wanted some issues with Chris Paul. And it just, you know, it came to a head last Saturday. Luckily for all of us, it has been a hell of an entertaining week, to say the least. All right, guys, that was halftime. Hopefully you enjoyed that. But it's back to business, back to finish the show up strong. We've made our halftime adjustment. So without further ado... We've got two quarters left, starting with the third quarter, and my guest this week, my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. Third. He is a promoter. He is an analyst. He is my cousin, first and foremost. And for the sake of this interview, he is making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast. Y'all know and love him. One of the more popular interviews that I have on the show, my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. Deke. What is going on, cuz? Oh, yeah, I'm on. Love to be on here. Thank you for having me. Hey, America, and a couple of people that downloaded over in China. Yeah, shout out to my listeners in Asia. I've got like a devout 11 followers who download and listen to the show each and every week. So shout out to y'all. But we're going to get to it, man. You know, because every time you're on the show, we play the game where you get the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy or not with some of the takes that I have. So we're going to get right to it. Halftime, everybody heard. We're talking about Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul. So, Sadiq, I feel that the NBA was too hard on Chris Paul and too soft on Rajon Rondo and Brandon Ingram as it pertains to the suspensions levied out. Am I crazy or not? Yeah, you are. I disagree totally. Okay, only because if you really watch what happened, CP still sort of instigated it somewhat. By getting in the grown man face and folding your arms like, you know, like you were sunning him in a way, even before the, the so-called spit gate, you know, <laughs> whatever. Because we don't really know for a fact because Rondo still had his mouthpiece in and he might have just been saying, I don't, I mean, they try to zoom in and slow it down. But when you slow stuff down, it looks how you want it to look when they slow it down. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't feel like, and I, I honestly, that the way Rondo goes so hard though, because I feel like 
if he was going to spit, he was going to hawk spit. That's who he is. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a, let me try to sneak a spit type of guy. Like, I think he, I don't like you. I haven't liked you for 10 years. We got into it. They showed the clip when he got into it. When he was with Boston and CP was with uh, New Orleans at the time. You know, the rookie year got, you know, the rookie years for both of them and all that. So if they've been holding a grudge for 10 years, you're going to hawk spit on the guy. You're not going to just try to get no soft little spit. So therefore, I don't know if it happened. Anyway, CP got in his face and folded his arms. Like, like, oh, you know, so yeah, CP deserved two games for that because he kind of instigated that little bit right there. And at the end of the day, they say you can't throw any punch. Even if you were the first one to get punched or you got spit on, you're not supposed to throw any punches. So therefore, the NBA has to come down on him somewhat. You know what I mean? They have to do something to just to, so they you have to set a precedent. So therefore, nobody, everybody else in the league can't just start swinging now. Like, oh, CP got nothing. Let me just say I got spit on. I felt like I got spit on. Now I'm starting to swing. You know what I mean? So you have to give him something. But I do feel, you know, I can go 50-50 with you here. I do feel they were a little too easy on Brandon, especially Brandon Ingram. My man was on some street stuff. He he was at the other three-point line and ran all the way Yo, down. And he just got wanted the swing. all the smoke. He yeah, wanted he, he wanted it all. And the funny thing is, I promise you, if he connected at all, it stung a little bit and hurt because them some bony arms, and I promise you, <laughs> he got some bony yeah, knuckles, which lying. I have. And, you know, you know, I didn't hit people, but I'm telling you, them things sting and hurt when you get hit by somebody bony-bony because, oh, yeah, Brandon Ingle wanted He wanted it with anybody. I don't know. Okay, so here's where you're wrong, all right? <laughs> Look, I'm not saying Chris Paul shouldn't have been suspended. He absolutely should have been. You can't throw a punch and then just be clean, right? You got you to gotta eat something. So two games for Chris Paul – it's fine in a vacuum. But if you're going to give Chris Paul two games, you can't then give Rondo three. You feel me? Because Rondo, look, you may believe this whole joint. They, they went to Bruder film with it. I think the Bama spat on him. Like, period. You know what I'm saying? He even had the guilty look on his face after he did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, like, looking around like, yo, did anybody catch it? Because he was trying to be slick with the joint. But let's say you don't believe. Let's say it was just a natural spit. It wasn't, like, something he was purposely doing. I don't believe it, but, yo, Reasonable people can disagree. He then punched the Bama two times before Chris Paul retaliated. You feel me? You can't punch somebody twice and then only get a game more oh, than yeah. the person who retaliated. I, Not to yeah. mention, there is a lot, like, there's a reasonable, you know, it's reasonable to think that he spat on him first. So if he didn't spit, he still should have got more. But if he spat on him and then punched him twice and you get only one more game, like, how, is, how does that deter anybody from just being like, yo, I'm going to be slick with my spit, and then I'm going to punch you twice? And then, like you said, Ingram Ingram started the whole thing, was damn near near half court, and then ran and got the last punch for no – nobody was even messing with him. And he tried to sun the refs, and he only got four. So if you're going to give Chris Paul two, you got to get, like, Rondo, like, six, seven, and Ingram got to get ten plus. Ten or more for real. Yeah, I agree that they were too. They were too light on Rondo and Ingram. I totally agree with that. But I still feel like CP deserved what he got. Yes, they should have got six. Yeah, they should have got at least six while he got two. But honestly, like two in this NBA right here, two two is a vacation. CP would have messed around and sat on the back to back anyway. So he just sat on the one game anyway, just because. Oh, I'm tired. You know, my calves are sore. That's what they do anyway these days. So, I mean, yeah, two is not bad. You know. Okay, well, they ain't, they ain't hurting for it. He got, yeah, he, he got State Farm and all these other guys, you know. So, anyway, I hope these guys are listening. Hey, everybody start stealing off. If somebody <laughs> do something, like, let, make, let's make it entertaining. Like, I will buy tickets now. You know, I didn't want to buy any tickets. But, hey, man, gang sign wall, if you hear this, my man, start swinging on everybody, man.
You don't, you don't get the calls. I don't care. It's only two games. You gonna, especially Wall and Bill. They gonna get hurt and miss a game or two anyway. So hey, just go ahead and swing, man. Just start. Hey, look, man. Just go ahead and start swinging. All right, guys. That's the first one. So uh, maybe we we kind of have a little bit of a middle ground. You know what I'm saying? We just disagree on Chris Paul, but ultimately we're saying the same thing, right? Chris Paul shouldn't have been his suspension shouldn't have been as close to Rondo and Ingram. So I think there's there's a little bit of disagreement, but there's a little middle ground as well. All right, y'all, once again, I'm joined by my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, analyst, and making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast. And every time Deke is on the show, he gets the opportunity to let me and the world know if I'm crazy with some of the sports takes that I have. So we're going to move on with topic two. We're staying on the basketball floor, and we're going to keep things local. The Wizards haven't necessarily had the start that most fans and uh, local members of the media would have expected or desired right but one of the more interesting and consistent themes to the start of this season has been the polarizing play of Otto Porter look man I don't think Otto was LeBron I don't think Otto's Kawhi or Giannis but Otto was in my opinion really 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 good you know what I'm saying he's he's one of the best shooters in this league and is an amazing efficient and effective player so Sadiq I believe Otto Porter is crazy underappreciated and undervalued in the local market. Am I crazy? Yes. And I think you need to be checked for any type of drugs or anything. Let me tell you something. I don't know about really, really good. He's not a, a two-time really good. He might I'll give you one. You know, as in singular, singular good, he's just really good. You know, and, and not even with big emphasis. Like, I can't get loud with it. Just... He just, uh, he's really good. You <laughs> hey, know, no exclamation no marks at all. It, all. All lowercase and everything. Like, I'm not even going to capitalize the R or anything. When I tell you he's just a good player, I mean, like, let's be real. To be a third pick, he's underachieved. And it's, I mean, what, he's fourth year or fifth year? Nah, I think this out of, like, six, six, maybe okay. seven, but six done years. nothing. Let's be real. I mean, I, I understand, you know, you got Wall and you got Bill who are, uh, you know, alpha type of males, you know, stuff like that. Auto doesn't seem like, I mean, the good thing with me, I'm glad he's growing out his bush a little bit. So maybe he got a little swag or something. Like he's starting to fill himself with something. He's, he's not the corny old, you know, Georgetown type of porter anymore, you know, but at the same time, I don't, the minute his name came in trade talks for Jimmy, I would have, man, look, I'm going to tell you, I would have shipped this guy out of town so fast. I mean, but yeah, I, I feel like he's underachieved. I'm I'm not here for for him to be a, a max player. You know, I, I feel like he's setting our team back for the money he he's getting. All right, so you you hit on a, an interesting point there because I think a lot of people kind of target Otto for a lot of reasons off the basketball court, right? Number one is the contract. You know what I'm saying? But I can never fault a man oh, nah, for not a, not at all. making oh, yeah. money. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, shout yeah, out to Porter. I'm not mad at back, him man. for getting the max contract. That's on the Wizards. And their GM, and we can go all day on Ernie. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not mad at Otto for that. But number two, and I think people need, like, I think people miss or sometimes forget this. You know what I'm saying? And let me prefix this by saying I don't think Otto Porter is as good as Clay Thompson. I do not think Otto Porter is as good as Clay Thompson. Let me get that out the way. But I think people forget before Steve Kerr went to Golden State. Mark mm-hmm. Jackson wanted Klay Thompson to be on some Kobe, Dwayne Wade, like isolation type of basketball player. And Klay mm-hmm. just couldn't do it. If you watch Klay, and look, the Warriors got a whole bunch of bandwagon fans yeah. in, over the last handful of years. But if you watch him now and compare it to when Jackson was there, it's, it's night and day. Klay can't create off the dribble. If you pay attention, 
He may he's dribble not two a, times not really hard to the basket or two times hard and pull up. Yeah. But more mm-hmm. times than not, all his shots come off of catch and shoot, moving without the ball. What I'm saying is, Otto can't dribble. You know what I'm saying? He can't do it. He can't. He's not good at creating. And that's fine. It's okay because he's an amazing I, shooter. Yeah. And in today's yeah. NBA, you need someone who can shoot. Plus, it doesn't make sense that, like, I don't want Otto to create off the dribble. That's what I have John for. You feel me? Like it's redundant. Like why do I? Same thing yeah. applies. But he's a uh, really, he's a really, really. I don't good want John shooting threes a game if he's playing with Otto <laughs> and Brad. You feel me? Otto compliments everybody well, and he's no. amazing at what he does. The fact yeah. that the Wizards, for whatever reason, don't do what Otto does well more, I can't get mad. I can't get mad at Otto for that. Yeah, honestly, honestly, Otto has ice in his veins. I'll be real. Otto, he's pretty good late game. I ain't even gonna lie about that. But, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm just. I can't get down with Otto too much. I mean, I feel like he's the one piece in any type of superstar trade. I mean, let's be real. Wall doesn't want to say it because he can't say it. that's his teammate and then we maxed him. But Wall, every interview you have, you can read between the lines. Wall doesn't want Otto here for real, for real. Every time you say something, you know, Wall, well, you know, we need a superstar, we need a third guy, blah blah blah. And the third guy will be a wing. In this new NBA, the third guy is a wing guy. It's a third wing. Just like we say Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is the third option for Golden State. Right, but you see remember, what I'm saying? So you need a- Golden State won a championship with Clay as yeah, their second was. option. Golden State won yeah. 73 wins okay. after that and may have won back to back championships. That's my thing with with Clay. Like he just, he's not it, man. I, I feel like any type of trade that we can get for a superstar or somebody, you know, that's more upgrade or better. You got to you got to do it. Look, you brought up Jimmy early. And again, I'm not going to jump out there and say Otto Porter is better than Jimmy Butler. I don't think he is. I think I think Jimmy is a top 12 to 15 player in the league. Right. But I don't know if Jimmy Butler works here only because I don't know this for a fact, but there seems to be too much kind of leadership slash, you know, locker room issues. Not to say it's a bad thing, not to point the finger at any player, but we've seen Jimmy play at a certain way. He don't accept certain things you know he had issues with players in chicago he had issues with car anthony towns in minnesota if he doesn't think that you are playing at your maximum 24 7 all the time he gonna call you out and i think that there could be an issue regarding whose team it is because i think if jimmy comes here jimmy feels he's the best player on his team i think if jimmy comes here john still feels he's the best player on his team and i don't know how much give is going to be between them two. I agree, I agree with that. I think, I think okay, in, in a sense, I can, I can make an argument both ways, but I'm going to tell you, Jimmy's heart and his tenacity, it fits us. Like, honestly, nobody really can push, nobody can push Wall. Nobody can push Wall, really, to the point where, like, they can get the best out of Wall where he could hit another level. Jimmy might. I don't care if they like each other. I think they would clash in the sense of, I'm trying, like, I feel like they would clash in a good way, though. You know what I mean? I don't know if they, after the game is over, they're going to get drinks together and all that. Nah, but I feel like on the court, I feel like they would they would do enough. They they respect each other enough that they well basically the way Jimmy's bringing it in Minnesota right now and and calling his young cats soft like them young boys and all that ain't none of that with Wall. He's gonna bring it. I think I think Wall needs that extra push a little bit from somebody. All right, we we could go back and forth about Otto all night, and you know what? We probably will next time or several times during the season probably bring Otto Porter's name back because it's a topic that everybody in the area, everybody who's an NBA fan. They have strong opinions one way or the other. Otto Porter somehow was one of the more polarizing players in this area, which is crazy when you think about it. All right, guys. Once again, I'm joined by my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, analyst, and making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast. And each time Deke is on the show, 
he gets the opportunity to let me and let y'all know if I'm crazy with some of the takes I have. I admit sometimes they can get a little extra. You understand? So who better than family to try to reel me in? So, so far, I'm a little crazy with my Rondo Chris Paul theory. Super crazy, according to Deke, about Otto. So we're going to see if I can find some sanity here on the football field because our last topic has to do with the Oakland Raiders. John Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract after being in the booth for close to a decade, maybe maybe a decade. And so far, after being the L.A. Raiders head coach, he shipped off their best player, and now he shipped off their best receiver, Amari Cooper, for a first-round pick. So the Raiders potentially have five first-round picks coming up. Am I crazy, Sadiq, for thinking that the Raiders are going about this all wrong? Yes. As much as I would say, sometimes you have to build – you have to rip down to build back up, you know. So therefore, it looks, it looks from the outside looking in right now. It's like, oh, you traded away your first pick, one of the, the nice young receivers in the game. But at the same time, he's not a Gruden type of guy. Gruden comes in, he wants to build what he wants to build. And I want to say, uh, I've I've heard rumors that as far as the draft or GMing, even though he has ten years as far as the coaching, I want to say the next two to three years is the only time that he can do the first round draft on his own. It's something, something, something crazy like that. I, I could be wrong, but I, that's what I heard some rumors like that. So, therefore, he's trying to get his type of guys in. As much as a dog as Khalil Mack is, yes, he's he's amazing. You know, I would, But at the same time, the money he wanted, you don't get strapped with that for four or five years to not be the number one defense. If you sign him, you're expecting to be top five defense or something like that. Like, the Raiders still would have been – they still had so many holes that – that defense still would have been bottom 20-something. It would have been 22, 23, and now you're paying one guy this type of money, so you're strapped. Basically, the same thing we were talking about with Otto just now. You're putting all this money into a certain type of guy. So, no, I don't I don't mind him. And he got a first-round pick out of it. So, when this thing turns all the way around, like, basically, as much as I hate Dallas, I'm glad y'all lost Sunday. Anyway, what did they do? What did they do way back in the, the late 80s and all that? They built, they, they stockpiled their team with Troy. Then the ver, very next year, I think it was Emmett. Then the very next year, it was a, uh, 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 Irvin or whatever, vice versa, whatever way that them triplets happen. And he's an offensive guy. He's going to do, you know, I feel like you got to be, you got to do it that way. It's going to look ugly. Everybody, nobody likes it now, but you got to have vision. You got to have vision. And it, just, it is what it is. Okay. So from a macro standpoint, I don't disagree with you at all. I think bigger picture. The Raiders were in a they, – they may have felt that they were stuck and they needed to kind of destroy, rebuild. Shout out to yeah. Nas, still mad it. But I have issues with how yeah. and why and whom they're electing to charge and lead the rebuild. You know what I'm saying? People forget John Gruden before he was Monday Night yeah. Football. He goes to Tampa Bay. He wins the Super Bowl, but he wins the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's team, already ready-made championship contender. John Gruden didn't really do anything to that Super Bowl team. After the Super Bowl, Gruden gets mm-hmm. control and power, and he misses on all his picks, essentially, and that team loses talent on defense. They never replenish it. They lose talent on offense. They never replenish he it. Did. So we've seen historically when Gruden is in charge, he's not a very good talent evaluator. You okay. compare him to Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. and the Cowboys in the early 90s and late 80s, Jimmy Johnson revolutionized how people draft and scouting and all this other stuff. John Gruden is not on that level. So if I'm going, to, not to mention, like you can overvalue first round picks. First round picks aren't guaranteed to break out, be superstars. You'd be lucky if any of the five first round picks that they have turned out to be half the player Camille Mack is. You know what I mean? Like Khalil Mack 
is the player you hope that you get in a draft. And once you get him, pay him. You understand? This goes back to something the last time you won. If you get a star player, pay them. You know, it's easier to find complimentary pieces than it is to find the star. The Raiders had the star in Mac. I'm not really tripping off Mari Cooper like that, but in Khalil Mac, they had the guy and they traded him. Okay, only for only for 2018. People, he's a difference maker. But the thing is, people fall off and they fall off fast. So yeah, I ain't saying Khalil Mac would have, but in three or four years, an injury could have happened, or he just like let's say his mental changed because he's putting all this into it. You know, he's putting all his energy and everything into it, his passion, all this, but yet the defense is still 20-something. So that could start to weigh on him. You just never know. I, I don't blame him for not putting the money into him if you know for a fact you're not Super Bowl or, or you're not ready right now to start winning. You Even you put all this money into him, but yet what does it do? Let's say you don't even make the playoffs. Okay, i be with one you, guy. except they're paying all their money into a quarterback who playing the man, quarterback. Man, look, don't do that. Don't put that on my man. He wasn't crying for real. Ain't none of them guys. All them outfits. Man, look, he wasn't crying, man. That's Look, that's reporters trying to make up something. That man was not physically, literally tears crying on the field. No no, no man is doing that. Okay, He's, so let's get off that, right? Because whatever. That's beside the point. The fact is, they are entrusting John Gruden, a man who has a history of being a poor talent evaluator, in turning things around. And in doing so, you traded one of the best 15 to 20 players in the league in Khalil Mack to do it. That's just a gamble that I just don't think is logical. I mean, I agree, but that, but that's the thing with that's the thing with just giving not you know second chances anything. He might have learned from his own mistakes, so therefore he might get this one right right now. He might get this second chance right. All I know, all I know is he's stockpiling first round picks, and then in the NFL, first round picks are gold. So therefore, mm, you got four years. I don't know, D. Yeah, no, I don't it, know. Draft picks sound is. good so in theory, but free. what do you think about your boy Doc Doxon? Who? Josh Doxon. I mean, yeah, all right, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get him out of here. But, <laughs> but if you have three first round picks, the average or just the law average, two of them are going to pan out. The fact that like the, for all three of them to be busts is almost basically almost impossible. You know, so therefore, if you get two out of the three, and, and, and if you get lucky enough, all three might be. But I promise you're going to get two of them are going to be dogs out of those three. I promise that. So therefore, I'm okay. I'm okay with what he's doing. I mean, if you got to rip the team apart, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like what he sees and stuff. Don't get me wrong. Carl probably gone soon, too. But, you know, I still feel like Carl's still a good quarterback in this league if he's, you know, molded the right way and all that. Like, it's been rumors that he's been uh, kind of tied to the Giants, which I'm hoping doesn't happen because. We got to play them, and I'm telling you, he will mess. He will mess around, resurrect his career, and all this little setback that he's having right here. I've seen him have, you know, the it factor and the dog in him. So I know it's in him somewhere. It's, it's just the right people got to bring it out of him. But I, I, I like what Gruden's doing, honestly. Once again, guys, that was my guest this week, my cousin, my blood, my family, Sadiq Abdul, promoter and analyst, making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report. As always, Deke, it's been fun. Thank you so much for joining me, and I catch you in November, cause you know it. Thanks for having me, man. All right, y'all. So we are three quarters down with only one topic to go. I've kind of teased it throughout the show, but we're going to finish up strong talking about what's so special about the special players in the NBA. Let's go. Fourth quarter. Earlier in the show, I kind of talked about Jason Tatum relative to Markel Fultz and how I feel for Fultz because there's so much pressure on him because of how amazing Jason Tatum is, you know? And Markel Fultz is still early in the season, so I, I try not to jump to too many conclusions or, you know, jump out there too much because there's so much of the season still left to be played. And 
Tatum can go on a, a rough patch and Fultz can all of a sudden, you know, f- figure it all out. We just don't know. But it highlights, to me at least, the difference between good players and special players. And the pursuit of special players oftentimes get teams in a whole world of trouble. Because you have to come into, in my opinion, you have to be real and assess the situation and the landscape wherever you choose to work or wherever you choose to, you know, put forth any type of energy. You got to make sure you understand what time it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm going to renovate my house, I got to know how much roofing costs. I need to know how much painting costs to get, you know what I mean, my kitchen and my appliances together. I got to know how much my pockets, how much I can withstand. I got to know all that. And I got to know how much my neighbors paid to get their situation handled. You know, if I'm going to sell my house, I need to know how much the house down the street went for. I need to know how much my neighborhood is valued. I need to know all of this before I can really properly assess my situation. You got to know the landscape no matter what it is that you're trying to do. You feel me? So if you're trying to take over a team or if you're a fan and you're trying to assess who's really, really good, who's special, you got to know off the rip. There are not that many special players in the league, and we got to be for sure. We got to know what we're talking about. You could be a great player. It's kind of like the quarterback thing in the NFL, right? There are a lot of good quarterbacks. How many of them are truly special? Just because you win a Super Bowl doesn't mean you're elite. And we've gone through that. People tried to tell us for years Eli Manning was elite. People tried to tell us for years how elite Joe Flacco was. You know? Hell, my guy Russ. People try. I was one of them. I was like, man, Russell Wilson is elite. No, he's not. He's good. He's really good. At times, he can be great, but that's the difference. At times, you could be great. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, those are it. Those guys, day in, week in, week out, you can expect a certain level of production. So throughout a 16-game regular season, there may, they may, there may be two, three games where you're like, huh, he had a really bad game. But that's it. And they're really bad is average for everyone else. They're just on a different level. And in the NBA, don't look at all these lists. Sports Illustrated, ESPN, all these people will tell you all these players who are really good and in the right situation can be amazing. That's not special. LeBron James is special. I don't need, We don't even need to go through that anymore, right? We know that. Steph Curry is special. Kevin Durant is special. Kawhi Leonard is special. The guy I think is the best player in the league, Anthony Davis, special. Giannis, special. Where do you go next? James Harden? James Harden is great. Don't get me wrong. James Harden is great. Is he special? You know what? If you wanted to tell me James Harden is special, I'd rock with that because he's special in manipulating the rules, bro. He gets to the free throw line at a rate that is amazing. And that's special. You know, I like if you wanted to tell me that James Harden wasn't special, I'd be like, okay, he's great. And I but I can see that point. But if you did want to tell me that he is, he's special at doing stuff that everyone everyone in the league can manipulate getting to the free throw line. 
but everyone can't do it. And there is something special about that, but we'll put him to the side. Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul is special. I do. He was definitely special. Is he now? I think he still plays at a high enough level and has a certain level of understanding and not turning the ball over and shoot. Like, I think there is still special in him. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is an amazing player. I don't know if he's special. You feel me? Paul George, amazing player. I don't know if he's special. There is something like that's those are the lines that are very hard to to make. So when you are going to give someone a super max contract, Kyrie Irving, we're gonna see it with Boston. I think Kyrie Irving is an amazing player, and he has shown the ability to be special in big time moments. But overall, is Kyrie Irving a special player? Because Boston played amazing without him last year, and Cleveland didn't miss a beat without him. I say all of that to say, when you look at the young NBA landscape and you look at the players, you know, forget the Anthony Davises and the Giannis's because I think we all understand those two guys are special even at their young age. But when you look at these young kids, man, not kids, I'm saying, that's the old man in me. You look at these young guys in the league, a lot of really, really good players. And I'm talking about the new generation of players. But how many of them are special? Because I think Donovan Mitchell can be, but I don't think he is yet. Everybody kept telling me that Jalen Brown was. I haven't seen it. Devin Booker is an amazing player, but I don't think he's special. Not at all. Not at all. I think he's really good. And really good is not bad. The Detroit Pistons won a championship with a bunch of really good players. Even though I'd argue that Ben Wallace was kind of special. You know what? No, there he wasn't. He was great. He was an amazing. And I think Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer. He should be at least. But I don't, I'm not comfortable saying that Ben Wallace was special. You feel me? So special can still get you there, but you're not afforded the bad contracts. If you're going to go the route of the Detroit Pistons, you better have six, seven guys on your team who are all really, really good. You know what I mean? You got to have a Chauncey, a Rep. A Tayshawn, a Sheed, a Ben, and come off the bench with Mamedo Core, you know, and and Lindsey. You you gotta have a high level of player, like top to bottom. If you're not gonna have the special guy, because you have no room for error, because no matter how many really good players you have, and we saw it last year with Toronto. Toronto had an amazing roster. You get put up against a special player, shuts the whole thing down, messes up the whole system. That's why I thought it was genius for Masai Ujiri to trade for Kawhi Leonard. Because now you have an amazing roster and you have the special player. There's not many teams who can do that. Not many teams who can do that. But when we're looking at the future of the NBA and we see the Donovan Mitchells and the Devin Bookers and, you know, all these other players who come and go, all these players, I mean, in D.C., John, you know, John isn't John. No, I love John. John's one of my favorite players, but I don't know if he's special. I thought he was. He can be. But when I look to the horizon and start looking forward, again, leaving Giannis and Anthony Davis to the side because those guys are special now. You know, we've seen enough. We're talking about MVP candidates with them. 
you talk about projecting. I don't see what y'all see with Brandon Ingram. I don't. A lot of y'all think Brandon Ingram is special. I'm having a hard time seeing that. I'm having a really hard time seeing that. A lot of y'all think, a lot of y'all told me that Andrew Wiggins was special. He was going to be special. Woof. I don't see that at all. And I've never saw it. Never. Ever. You feel me? Ever. Never have I saw that. But you know what I do see when I look at special? I see Jason Tatum. No matter how good Markel Fultz becomes, I don't see him as a special player. But Jason Tatum, I saw it. I saw it. Like I said earlier, common. Don't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. Y'all don't, it don't take that long to be like, yo, he plays different than everybody else. Jason Tatum just turned 20, Slim. And he's on a level that nobody on his team right now is at. Nobody. You pick him, whomever you want to name. Yeah, him too. He ain't on that level. And there's nothing but upside. Obviously, injuries can happen. Obviously, outside factors can happen. But I'm just talking about you can see it with Tatum. You can see it. It's a reason why Kobe gravitated to him. Kobe was like, yo, y'all passed up on this guy? What were y'all thinking? And wants to spend the all offseason with them. You can tell it. You can feel it. And you know who else is special? Ben Simmons. I don't care if he can't shoot a three-pointer. I don't care. I don't care if he can't shoot a jump shot. He needs to clean up that free throw shooting. I will say that. But everything else, again, there is a reason why LeBron gravitates. LeBron usually rolls with his crew, people that are part of that CAA, you know, his, his uh, agency, or, you know, his his small clique of, of friends, his close circle, or his teammates, right? LeBron was, was working out with Ben Simmons for like a whole month and a half this offseason. Great players gravitate to young great They see it. You know what I'm saying? They feel it. It's like a muse. Like, yo, I'm inspired. This kid got it. This kid. I remember when LeBron was in high school and Shaq and KG would go to his high school games. Great players understand it. Like, you feed off that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, comedians go to see the young comics to get inspired. Because it's like, you can spot it. You can feel it. It's electricity. You know, I, y'all know I listen to the Joe Budden podcast, man. And Joe was talking about this back when he was going his, with this thing with M. And he was like, yo, he felt that M was using Slaughterhouse because of that energy, right? He was like, yo, they got four spitters over there. Royce is my man, but those other three, they kill us. I need them with me so I can be inspired, right? That's part of the game no matter where you're at. And it's not a coincidence that Kobe and LeBron gravitate naturally, wasn't forced, naturally gravitated toward Jason Tatum, right? And Ben Simmons. Those two are special. Joel Embiid is special. That's why a lot of people rock with Philly. You know, Philly's got two special players. The tanking thing worked because they got them two. Because they're not that many players like that. When the, Le- the LeBrons fade out and the KDs kind of move up a little bit and the Stephs move up, there's going to be a whole new era of players who can have a pocket of 8 to 10 years to dominate. We know Anthony's going to be one. We know Giannis is going to be one. But who else? Again, 
Donovan Mitchell's really good. Devin Booker is really good. Bradley Beal is really, really good. And again, I got to own that. I was wrong on him. You understand? But he's really good, especially this season. Thus far, Brad is killing. Killing. But are they special? Because I can see it in two years from now, and Tatum is 22 and Ben is 25. Look out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or if 24, 25, look out. And Embiid is 26. What you doing? What are you going to do? Because you can offer the Supermax contracts to the Carl Anthony Towns. And y'all know I think Carl Anthony Towns is really good. There was a time when I thought he could have been special. But now, ooh, there's a lot of funk around him, bro. Nikola Jokic, I love Jokic. I think Jokic, Jokic is specialist. He's special-esque. You know what I'm saying? But he ain't like Ben and he ain't like Tatum. And you can see it. You can feel it. You don't need infrared. You can feel it. And ultimately, that's the determining factor. Because you could be Toronto. You could be the Paul George Indiana Pacers. Team loaded, top to bottom. Right? We all remember them. You could be the Memphis Grizzlies from not too long ago. Again, strong, top to bottom. There are teams you can be where you are just loaded and you've got a roster full of very good players. But at some point, you're going to run into a Durant or you're going to run into a LeBron or you're going to run into a Steph Curry. And then they're going to ask you, what do you have? You know how they say fight fire with fire? You can't fight special with really good, bro. You just can't. We've got a whole history of the NBA to show us that. So whatever your favorite team is, you better look really, really long and hard and have a really, really honest conversation with yourself. Because one of the biggest mistakes that we do as NBA fans and general managers do in terms of roster construction is trying to force really, really good and try to pretend that really, really good is special because it ain't. And it doesn't take a long time to figure it out. All right, y'all, man. Thank you so much for rocking with me. This is episode 78. Again, shout out to my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, and one of the best guests that we have on this show. Thanks again to listening. Once again, if you want to get involved, please let me know. Am I wrong? Am I jumping the gun saying that Ben Simmons is special? I'm not. I'm right. But I would love to hear your argument. Tweet at me at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show, or email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Also, remember, this upcoming Monday, a new episode of The Wire NBA Comparisons where I compare an NBA player to the one and only Senator Clay Davis. You're not going to want to miss this comparison. Monday on Twitter at Quarterly Show or on Instagram at Quarterly Report. Make sure you guys follow me there. And if you don't mind, five-star reviews. Leave me a rating. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you love the Quarterly Report. Please let me know and give me five-star reviews if you do not mind. All right, y'all. Enjoy the weekend. A lot of fun stuff popping off locally and nationally. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. And I'll see you again next Thursday on the Quarterly Report.